Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to Talking City. And today we're talking about the new Premier League champions officially confirmed. It's been a few months in the waiting. We've been waiting for the confirmation officially. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Stu Brennan. He was uh, drafted in at last minute on Sunday. No one was expecting the title win in the manner it came. Yeah, typical United ruining my Sunday. <laughs> and I'm joined by the very excitable Ian Cheeseman. He's been waiting for this moment for weeks now. Yeah, I'm feeling champion this morning. <laughs> um, there's only one place to start, isn't it? Um, yesterday, Stu, Stu, like me, we were both... I was working in the office. I was planning to leave at four o'clock, just waiting to see, waiting for the official result of the United game, and then I could go home and... Things took a drastic turn. It wasn't maybe the the dream scenario for City after last week, but title win at United's expense is always nice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't wasn't perfect for me. I was I was babysitting my six month old granddaughter for the first time, and ended up having to hurl her across the room at my <laughs> wife. And so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to take care of this from now. On. You used to play but, a bit of rugby, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a forward pass, was it? No, 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 it's perfect. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I mean, it was totally unexpected. I mean, I was talking, I talked to uh, Kevin De Bruyne and, and to Kyle Walker on Saturday night, and you know, City players were, were scattered across across yeah. Europe, across the world, really. You know, because they've got a few days off. Uh, they weren't expecting it. You know, I mean, Kevin De Bruyne told me that uh, he wouldn't be watching the game. He'd probably watch the one on Wednesday night at Bournemouth. I think people thought if they're going to slip, that might be the one where they slip up. Uh, so it caught everybody on the hop a little bit, um, and it was a it was a scramble job. But you know, I, I, I don't know. I had a funny feeling when I was driving home from Tottenham. I had a funny feeling because nobody was expecting West Brom to no. to win at Old Trafford. But you get to this stage of the season, and these strange things do happen. We've seen them happen mm. time and time again. So I just had a funny feeling, and, and I thought, no, that's gonna it's gonna ruin me day off this. Because <laughs> <laughs> and not only that, I mean. I, I mean, the players are telling us that they, they didn't care, you know, that they'll win yeah. it on the... Raheem Sterling said that he, he, he's happy to win it on the sofa, <laughs> he's happy to win it on the field. But for me, I prefer to, to watch the team yeah. go out and win a game. It feels more natural to win a game of football and then at the end celebrate. Cause you you've know, got no fans, don't you, at the end as yeah, well? Yeah, everyone's together in the stadium. But having said that, it's, it's the fact that people were spread far and wide has, has given us lots of fun because we've seen videos coming in from here yeah. there and messages from from players and fans and stuff from all over the place. And that that in itself has been uh, has been a little bit different and uh, has given us some uh, some good fun to be had. Yeah, and Ian, yourself, you were in Germany when the when you heard the news. What was what was your immediate reaction? Well, actually, on the Saturday night at Wembley, I filmed some City fans coming out of the ground uh, for the vlog that I do, and they were absolutely euphoric, and it was like, oh, we've won the league. And now, when I reflect back on it, I look at it and I think, well, that was really the cele- the, the nearest we've seen to a celebration from the City fans because they were completely convinced there were two or three thousand of them at uh, at Wembley that on mass they were able to sing. And I think we all knew and they believed that that was that. You know, once that victory went in, 
you know, you could say, I mean, I, you know, I feel personally that this league title was won back in December. Yeah. I really do believe that. And if you said that out loud while it's happening, you, you, you're tempting fate, aren't you? But yeah. yeah, I flew out to Germany. I didn't have any sleep at all. I was going to watch my other team, Schalke against Dortmund, local rivalry, big game. I was recording a vlog over there as well, which people will see later this week about the terracing and everything. And then when I come out and I'm walking away and I'm feeling pretty euphoric because Schalke have beaten Dortmund, I get this phone call, well, talk to my wife, and she says, you know, they're losing 1-0 with five minutes to go. And I'm going, you're joking, you know. And then when the final whistle went, I'm going, yes. And there's people around me, like Schalke fans, thinking, he's a bit late in his reaction again, <laughs> finished now an hour ago. Um, it was just surreal. Um, but, you know, it happens when it happens. And, um, you know, people get a chance to celebrate against Swansea. There'll be a parade, there'll be a presentation in the trophy. There'll be plenty of chances for City fans to, to enjoy it. And um, I've also seen a lot of City fans saying on social media that it was ironic that the United uh, team was so determined to, to win the derby, which they did, so that they wouldn't have to have you know uh, their fans watch the celebration. But effectively, there were 70,000 of them at Old Trafford. Uh, at the moment, yeah. the West Brom fa- fans started singing... We've won the league for City or whatever they did. So, um, so you could argue it was worse doing that, but uh, it doesn't diminish the the celebrations of City fans, does it? Yeah, I think you said. I think last week, uh, Paul Pogba said for the derby, we didn't want to feel like clowns. We didn't want to hand them the title. Less than a week later, they do it against West Brom. Hapless West Brom at the bottom of the table, the first win in ages as well, and. They're still propped up at the bottom, but it was fantastic. And I think that's a, a nice touch, really. For City. They still have that chance to gloat over United, even though they were handed it. But like you said, that turning point was probably December. That derby win at Old Trafford, that was the moment where fans maybe really started to believe. They might have been cautious. There was a Tottenham game in that as well. That's why I said December, because the they were back-to-back games. Yeah. United and Tottenham. Big it wasn't week. one game, but the fact that they beat Tottenham and won at Old Trafford, and, and they were in the position they were in at that time, I thought, ah, that's it. Hang on a minute. Just hang on this is the man who I've been travelling with to every single away game. And every away game this season, he's been saying, oh, I don't it's think there's anything down for us today. I think, well, That's the city I think we're going to lose 3 or 4 nil. And now he's telling us, yeah, back in December, I knew it was going to happen. I knew he'd won the title in December. You think, yeah, but on. I'm a City fan. <laughs> you, you don't want to say these things. You don't want to tempt fate. You don't want to sound... You know, and arrogance and... and uh, you know, being being big headed is not in in my nature, and it isn't. Oh, well, it isn't. So I think in more City fans' nature. So you keep it within. To be but fair, I did though, believe it. To be fair with this team, I think saying that you you think you know you think the best team in the league by a mile and that they're going to win it. I don't think that's being arrogant. I think that's just being totally realistic. I think United fans were saying the same thing. You know, the honest ones, the ones who who aren't so disappearing up their own yeah. backsides. Um, <laughs> so you know, it's. Uh, I don't. I, I, there's no. There's no arrogance about that. I don't think. I think you. I, I think you'd. Have, you'd have taken us all aback if you'd have said in December. That's it. We've, we've won this. We've got this. We've got this in hand. We've got it all wrapped up. But I don't think it'd have been. It'd have been above and beyond the pale because a lot of people were saying that. I, I. I didn't think that. I didn't think that in December. I still thought there was a capacity yeah. for something to go wrong. I mean, it did really. I mean, you look at the, the three games before Tottenham. All of a sudden, it started to look like things were going bad. The tech players looked really tired in the second half. They looked like they'd run out of ideas a little bit. They looked like um, Liverpool had rumbled them. Uh, the old defensive frailties came back against United in the second half. So you started to wonder, is this the bad patch that we've... Every team has a bad patch during the season. Is this the bad patch that's happening now and how long is it going to last? 
And I think that's why it was it was a great testament to the, the character. That's the other side of this team, apart from the beautiful football, is the character of the team. And we saw that at Wembley. I thought the the character they showed in that game was just, just immense. The only thing I would say is that I still maintain there were mitigating circumstances in the Derby and the two Liverpool games, which I've gone into before. Yeah. But if the, now I think about it and I look back on a sort of turning point, it was actually December just into January. Um, because City played Crystal Palace and there was a challenge on Kevin De Bruyne that day that at the moment it happened and in the immediate aftermath of the game I genuinely worried we might not see Kevin De Bruyne again this season Mm -hmm. and then two days later he played against Watford which completely blew me away I never expected to see him on the team sheet I didn't expect, as I say, possibly to see him for the rest of the season. And he's such an important player. So when he was suddenly named in that team sheet, it was, it was a huge relief. And uh, at that, that, that point, when I thought he was injured, seriously, I thought this could be that stumbling block, that, that moment when City lose a bit of momentum. I know they're not a one-man team, but I did think that his absence, and obviously we knew David... Silver was having problems too with his in his family, so he wasn't always around and he was missing the odd game. I thought, you know, without them two in some games, and certainly without De Bruyne for the rest of the season, you know, I wonder if they're going to get caught. But when he appeared back against Watford, Lazarus-like, um, it was like, wow, you know, City are going to win the league. So, um, so I've, maybe I'll move it back a couple of weeks <laughs> to that day. That's uh, it's interesting what you said there about uh, players being injured because it's one of the maybe more exciting things going next season. This city side has been hampered by injury this season. It's not as if they've had the superstars fit every single week. Almost every one of their sort of attacking talents has missed a couple of games here and there through injury. Wasn't it an ex Liverpool fan who said uh, players who said Dejan Lovren said the other yeah. week? You know, yeah, he said City haven't been affected by injuries. Yeah, I'm glad you said that, yeah. Rich, and point put the record yeah, straight. I had to do a piece on it. And he's, <laughs> it was ridiculous. It was after the Champions League second leg. He said the difference, main difference, was Liverpool been affected by injuries this season. I, I mean, I don't follow Liverpool that closely, but as far as I know, Mo Salah's been playing every week. He's the only player that really matters for them anyway. And City have been without Aguero, they've been without Gundogan, they've been without De Bruyne, they've been without Silva, they've been without De Sterling, they've missed Sane, they've missed Mendy the whole season. It's not as if City have had it. Company, company, yeah. The leader. It's not as if they've had it easy this season, City. And they've actually, for all the, all the stuff that gets talked about, they've actually got quite a small squad, City. Yeah. You know, you, you're really talking about senior players, I mean... Obviously, you've got young lads coming through like Foden and Diaz, and they're, they're getting a getting a bit of a look in. But in terms of what Pep would, cool. would call his senior squad, um, it is quite small, and I think that's something they need to address next season. Mm. Because uh, you know, as as Ian said, if if the Bride had gone missing for yeah. a significant part of the season, they might have had a problem. I mean, it, not as much as they would have done because I think Gundogan's really starting to come on now. You know, in such what he's. Uh, He's, he's not had any problems since his last <laughs> one. Um, so, but I still think City need need to add. You know, yeah. they're going to lose one or two players this summer. But I still think they need to add one or, one or two more than they've actually got because um, Yaya's Yaya's winding down now. You know, we're not going to see any more of him after this summer. Um, I, I think they do need to bump the squad up. Um, they have they have ridden injuries well, but a lot of that is what what Guardiola has done. Mm. You know, you think about it, he had no left-backs once Mendy got cropped. Um, and then he converted Fabian Delph, who's been a huge success. I yeah. thought he was great again at Wembley. Um, he put Zinchenko there, who's really a number 10. Um, and he, he's just he's just made a success out of things. 
you know, he's, 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 he's put square pegs in round holes and made them fit. Uh, and that, again, that's, that's testimony to him as a, as a coach. Um, but maybe he can't do that at the top level. Um, and maybe City really want to make an assault in the Champions League next season. They are going to have to bump the squad up. And when it gets to this stage, the other side of that is when it gets to this stage of the season, they're not going to be tired. You know, if you imagine if City had got through against Liverpool, they look really jaded to me yeah. now. I mean, I know they got a few days off. They got five games left. But if they were in the Champions League semi-finals, you would think, are they going to have the the inner resources to to get through these games? You know, and, and give the very best. Whereas if they've got a bigger squad, maybe they, they would be a little bit fresher. You know, they'd be able to rotate better. Yeah, it's interesting what you said there about Pep. It's probably been his, his biggest achievement season is just that man management, it's that hunger, not just the technical ability of his players, but it's that extra emphasis and that extra, I know the cliche, that extra 10% of his players give over any other side. And there was constantly, I think Tim Sherwood saying, Pep could, could win the league with any of the other sort of top five or six teams. And I get, there's lots of criticism from opposition fans who are jealous of what City have achieved, saying he's bought a success. Obviously, he's bought good players and he's nurtured them well. And of course, most of City's actual standout players this season have been players that were already at the club before Guardiola came. Do you think it's unfair some of the criticism he's had this season, Ian? Definitely. I mean, I saw some Tottenham fans, but I understand it, walking away from Wembley uh, as City fans were singing, we're going to win the league, and they were doing that gesture with the fingers, yeah. you know, that means it was bought. Uh, and if I was a Tottenham fan, if I was an Arsenal fan, whatever, if I was a West Brom fan, maybe that's how I'd be thinking. Uh, we can't avoid where we are and... Uh, you know the club is what it is, and you know this sort of uh, they deserve. Well, in my opinion, anyway, as a set of fans, they deserve mm. that look because of everything that's that's gone before. But I also believe that Pep Guardiola, whilst he might prefer to be at the top echelons of football and being able to bring in the best players and win the biggest leagues. I think if he was in a position where he couldn't do that, he would still be a top-quality coach. And I honestly believe, uh, I, I go and watch lower league football a lot, I've watched Oldham and Rochdale and Berry and teams like that a lot this season, and I honestly believe that if Pep Guardiola was suddenly parachuted into Boundary Park or Spotland or whatever uh, as the coach, you would see, without money being spent, uh, those players... Um, you know, winning their leagues or, or doing very well in their leagues. And so go back to where I was at the weekend, a very young coach called Tedescu, who's at Schalke. Um, he's very, very young, but he's, he's seen as one of the rising yeah. stars of coaching. Um, has, has got Schalke to second in league with, I wouldn't say, the best um, team in the, that division at all. So I suppose all I'm saying is that if you've got a really great coach, which I believe Pep Guardiola is, then they can achieve extraordinary things uh, that other people can't achieve. But you can't prove it unless Pep actually takes on a job at Oldham Athletic or Rochdale. <laughs> we're never going to know. So those who want to hate him, those who want to knock him, will just constantly do the, the checkbook gesture and, and say he just buys the title. But I do not believe that for one second. Well, the way, the way you can prove that it's, that it's nonsense is that look at the players. They've improved. I don't. Nice. I don't think there's a single member of that squad that hasn't improved. Perhaps yeah, yeah, but that's for other reasons. That's because he's getting older and he's, he's you know, he's, he's sort of gone over the over the peak. Um, but even even players who were already brilliant, like Silva and Aguero and De Bruyne, who were already established stars and, and perhaps world class already, they've they've got better. You know, 
and then then he's improved. You know, some of that Zinchenko who we thought was going out of the out of the squad. We didn't think he, he's suddenly become a squad player because Pep's got hold of him and, and changed him. Sterling has been unrecognisable. Go right through the team. Fernandinho again. He's, a, he's another one I put in that bracket with Aguero and and Silver and De Bruyne. He, he stepped up again. He stepped up on another level. And if if as a, if as a coach you improve players, whether you're at Rochdale or or Oldham or Manchester City, Manchester United, you know if you can improve individuals and improve the way the team plays as a whole and bring that sense of camaraderie and spirit, which is immense at City. We've seen that, you know, we, we know that they're, they're such a close band and that, that is something that City haven't had before. They've got good characters, they've got good human beings. I mean, that's what Pep says, isn't it? You know, yeah. when, when I think somebody asked him recently, what's the first thing that you you look for in a footballer? And he said, he's got to be a good man. Not he's got a, he's got a great talent or, or he's got to be massively determined. He's got to be a good human being. Um, and City haven't necessarily done that over the last 10 years. They've brought in great players, but some of them have been flawed. We've got Carlos Tevez, who, you know, no doubt about it, dragged City up to the level uh, they needed to be at. But there was always that risk with him, and it, and it went pear-shaped. Mario Balotelli's another one, you know. I've got nothing against Balotelli, and I know the fans love him, and I understand why. But Pep Guardiola would not go near him if, even if he was yeah. at Messi's level, he would not go near the man. He would just leave, he would not be in in his squad, and I think I think that's that's part of it as well. You know, people who talk about Pep Guardiola, the only wins with money, talking utter nonsense, utter utter nonsense, They're clueless. And you know, there's, there's nothing more you can say about that. It's it's just it's just a it's just the biggest myth in football for me. Well, there's also um, the, other, the other aspect that I want to mention is it's easy with hindsight to look at this team and say, well, you've got Kevin De Bruyne, you know, he's one of the best players in the world. But he wasn't even considered but one of those professors, wasn't Exactly, he? when he was rejected by Chelsea and went off to Germany and in some people's eyes went into the football wilderness and City brought him back. And I know technically somebody will say he wasn't a Pep Guardiola signing, you know, he came the year before Pep. If you don't think that was a Pep Guardiola signing, then you are... You know, you, you don't know what, what's going on, really, because as far as I'm concerned, the tentacles of Pep Guardiola through Chiqui Begeristein and Ferran Soriano were, were already interwoven with City, uh, maybe even two or three years before he actually mm. came. Uh, and I believe that Sterling, on the same basis, was brought in, you know, as, as a, pers- a player who was seen to be a Pep-type player, whether it was directly done, whether it was Cheeky just identifying... Pep's type players, whether the two of them were actually speaking, unless they come out and speak about it, we'll never know. Mm. But look at De Bruyne now, and you, nobody hesitates to say he's arguably the best, or certainly one of the best three players in the Premier League. If you'd said that two years ago, you wouldn't have said that. David Silver's wrongly, in my opinion, but never won individual awards in this country. Even Aguero never gets the individual awards. And yet now everybody's talking about them. Leroy Sane, when he was at Schalke, as much as I knew him because I have an interest in that club, and actually we'd seen him play for Schalke's youth team against City and he'd been the standout player. You wouldn't, other managers around the world, other clubs weren't talking about, oh, Sane's the best player in the world, we're going to get him and he will, he will be brilliant. They've come and made their names at City under Pep Guardiola. Well, that should be proof, that the, all the proof you need, really, that Pep is a great coach. City have done that 
for years, to be fair to them, in terms of not signing the very top men, you know. Other clubs, Silver was relatively, yeah. relatively. Well, you look at United's top signings in recent years, they put spent a lot of money, and they spent them on like Paul Pogba, who people saw as, you know, Real Madrid wanted him, everybody would have taken him, I think. Um, I'm not sure Pep would, but uh, everybody, everybody else would have taken him. Uh, so the same about Sanchez, yeah. De Maria, Sanchez. These, these are the you know United won't have gone for top names. Um, PSG have gone for top names. Obviously Neymar and Mbappe, players who are right at the top of the game. Players who Shirt every sellers. single team, yeah. every single club in the in the world would would have these players. If you look at City signings down the years, David Silva. Other clubs were turning the nose up at him. Yaya Torre, Barcelona, were quite happy to let him go in a lot of ways. Aguero, although he was a, a terrific young player, other, other clubs, yeah, he was still unproven. De Bruyne was, like you say, was a was regarded as a flop at Chelsea. They've, they've always gone to the next level down, or even the level below that, to, to buy the players. So, although they spent a lot of money, they spent more than anybody else. It's not been on, on the, these not from the top bracket. They've always gone for the second or third bracket. They've just bought more of them. And I would argue the reason why they've spent so much money is because everybody knows that they've got it, for one thing, so they hike the price up. Yeah. And as soon as City's name is mentioned, other clubs suddenly go, oh, hang on, they're interested in them. And it becomes an auction. And, and clearly the selling club is, is going to benefit from that. So I, I believe that if, if it was, um, you know... A club like I don't know, um, top, if Tottenham or, um, or or Everton or somebody like that had made a move for Kevin De Bruyne at Wolfsburg, let's say, I think they'd have got him for half the price. I, I, I genuinely yeah. do yeah. think that. Yeah, yeah it's in, interesting what he says, though, because a player's value is only really proven once he's done. Correct. Done it. And same with Kyle Walker, fifty million for the best right back in the Premier League. It's not actually a bad fee in, in hindsight, is it? He's just won the league, yeah. and he, his performance this season has been so integral that the value only actually matters depending on how you use them in the team. Pep Guardiola wanted a right back. He wanted one of the best in the world. He's got Kyle Walker for 50 million. I'm not, there's not too many people mentioning his price tag now that he's won the league and been one of his best players this season. Same with Edison and Goal, who's this young, who's this young unexperienced keeper we've not really heard of. He didn't fit in with what people know from their video games and stuff, so he can't be that good. But he comes yeah, to the Premier that's League, a great point. he completely changes <laughs> the whole way that City play this season. And I think, for me, and it's a different point, but Walker and Edison have been so integral to the new sort of blueprint of City this season and their uh, transfer fees have been justified and their values now are even higher. And again, that's because of Pep Guardiola. He's bought players for fees that he's seen as acceptable and he's taken them to a level where they've not only justified the fee but have gone beyond it. And uh, and yet, and yet if, when City were linked with Pogba and Sanchez... Yeah. It, it, we don't know how true that was, and, and Stuart saying maybe he wouldn't, you know, City wouldn't have been in for him anyway. Maybe he's not a pet player. Mm-hmm. But the point is that the papers certainly were linking um, both of uh, the, the the two players, um, you know. But uh, uh, you know, you think well, um, you know, City had seemed anyway, if we believe what we read, to have a cut-off point in their minds. You know, we're not yeah. paying ninety-five million. We're not paying eighty-five million. So yes. Everybody will keep re-quoting the amount that the squad cost, and and fifty million, let's face it, is an awful lot of yeah. money, but it's still not those really outrageous um, yeah. amounts that United have paid, PSG have paid. You know, don't forget Barcelona just bought Coutinho for you know an, an outrageous yeah. amount. 
Um, you know, so it, yes, it's a lot of money, um, but I think City have been also playing catch up for a long time, yeah. and, and they've had to come to the table and pay all that money out over the years. Well, the other thing is, it's like any other business; it's the investment. If you invest in something, like you know, City invested fifty-four million pound in Kevin De Bruyne. What's he worth now? Two, three times that amount. If you, in any business, if you invest something and it and it triples, it doubles, triples its value in the next two or three years, that is just sound, sound business, sound management. But the other, obviously, football isn't like any other business. So the other side of it is, it's an investment to try and improve what you're doing on the field. And Kevin De Bruyne has done that. He's done that tenfold. You know that's why that's why he's 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 worth far more than he was. So you, you're getting two things there. You're getting a financial investment paying off, and you're getting a football investment paying off. And then people are shouting about it, saying, "Oh yeah, they just you know what a city doing? It's just they're just throwing money at it." Well, no, they're not. They're actually like a good business does. Uh, and unfortunately, whether you like it or not, football is a big business these days. Uh, city didn't make it that way. Well, that was made made that way largely by the fans of the clubs who were still who were banging on about how much money City are spending. You know, they created this monster through their greed. City have now. I'm not saying City are monsters. I'm, I'm saying that football as a as a big business is a monster. City have, have have sort of taken it onto the next level. They've done it better than everybody else because they got an owner with money who was prepared to invest rather than an owner with money who was trying to take money out of your football club. Which a lot man of with do. vision. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whatever, whatever, whatever your view of, of Jake Mansour, you know, he's a perfect model for a football football club owner because he's not interested in taking money out of the club. He's been putting money into it, investing in it, invested the people he's employed who invested the money well. We've seen that on the field. We've seen that off the field, and City are, are reaping the benefit. And now, now they're getting stiff for doing it exactly the right way, the way that you've got to do it to win things and to have a better football club. But they're getting absolute pelters for it. Well, the reason City fans have, have got this agenda, you know, agenda, if you could say, against UEFA and organisations like that is because they've not been one of the cartel, the closed shop. So all the clubs that have been established in that yeah. cartel and that closed shop can, and their fans will say, hey, we've got, we get our own money, we raise our own money. So City came to the table and said, well, we want to break into your cartel, we want to do it differently. You can't grow that organically and expect to get to that level. You've got to come in and invest. And City were fortunate that they had an investor who bought them a seat at the table. Now, the Sheikh and, and the people who run City just recently, from what I can gather, have been saying, you know, we're getting to the point where this club has to be sustainable. Well, we're not going to be putting money in anymore. The whole financial model has to be sustainable. They're still growing it. They'll expand the stadium at some point. There'll be other things built around the stadium that may well bring in input and, and other finance into the club. Obviously, we've now got the... the got the CFA and now they have a facility and a whole whole thing that can generate money so they're not far off if they're not already there at the point where they are a self-generating no, they, they club are, they are. I so, mean, they've been breaking even and, and making a small profit for the last four, four years or so they've got to because of financial fair play yeah, but that's, that's not, even without financial fair play the shake as, as multi, you know, uh, you know the amount of money he's got is obviously way beyond we can ever dream of. But he, he, even he doesn't want to just keep putting money in. He wants to make it a model and make it sustainable. The other, uh, you know, how much 
But to get there, the point is, to get there, they have to have the right to invest to come from... And if another club did it, if suddenly we found out that Birmingham City had got a new owner and they were trying to... I like to think that City fans would be more gracious and not want to create a cartel and say, no, no, you can't join, because now we're in it, you can't join. I, I want it to be open to anybody to do that, unlikely as it might seem, but never take the dream away. It's just like the, the club who were in you know, Wimbledon, they all Wimbledon when they were in the mm-hmm. Southern League playing Leeds in the FA Cup, and they were dreaming of one day either winning the FA Cup or pre- playing in the Premier League. Well, you know what? They did. I know the story moved on since then, and MK Dons and all the rest of it. You know the story. But the point is that those Wimbledon fans back in the Southern League dreamt of doing what they did. Wigan Athletic in non-league football, you know, playing in the Northern Premier League, and, and they won the FA Cup. They beat City in the FA Cup, power to their elbow. But how did they do it? They had Dave Whelan come in and invest, didn't they? Blackburn did it with... with uh, their investor, you know, Jack um, Walker. Walker. You know, you can't do it without having that initial investment. No, no, that's right. It makes me laugh, really, because people talk about, oh, you know, City haven't generated their own money. What City did was a business deal. The club was sold to a new owner. It's a business deal. The new owner has got lots of money he's going to invest. It's a business deal. United arranged a new sponsorship with Nike or whoever, get loads and loads of money from it, and then go and spend a portion of it on, on top players, isn't that a business deal? What's the difference? There what is, is the none. difference there between these none. two? They're both just business deals. City struck the best business deal in football history, basically. Perhaps PSG might argue against that, and maybe Chelsea. But by selling the club to Sheikh Mansour, that was, that was the best business deal in, in football history. No difference. There's no difference. The people who, who talk about being United's own money, it's like, I always say, that it's, it's like this idea that selling duvets to, to gullible Malaysians is, uh, is some kind of sporting ideal, you know, something, some part of the Corinthian spirit, you know. <laughs> it's, it's like winning the FA Cup. Oh, oh, how many duvets we've sold this year? We deserve this success. No, come off it, you know. He's spot on, Stu, he's spot on. <laughs> Well, I, I guess we, we can't do this podcast without actually talking about how City have, have won the league. Um, that game against Tottenham, Wimbledon on Saturday night, you said the fans were celebrating towards the end of it. They were singing, we're going to win the league, they knew, and in hindsight... That's because none of them thought they were yeah. 90 minutes ago. Well, there's one sat next to us. <laughs> they were all saying, oh, we're going to blow it. He was like, oh, no, we're going to blow this, I can see it. I can see it coming, typical City, we're going <laughs> to... But that was City's That's response. That's in DNA. <laughs> we talked about character earlier, City bounced back from a, a drip... A dreadful week, really, by their standards, um, crashing out the Champions League, losing the derby, despite playing some of their better football the, the entire season in the games against Liverpool and United, ironically. But um, they showed their character, they got through, despite being jaded against Spurs. Five games left, five guards of honour as well for City to enjoy. What do we expect from these remaining five games for City? Well, as a, as a City fan, uh, I want them to go on and beat the 100-point barrier yeah. and, and continue to set the records. That's easier said than done because players are human beings, there's a World Cup just around the corner. Um, you know, It is going to change whether we like it or not. The positive side of that is that there might be opportunities for Foden and Diaz and 
maybe Nemechia and who knows who else. Maybe Edison will, will play at left back or something for a game. <laughs> you know, um, you know. So, so all those things could happen. For the integrity of the of the Premier League, City has still got to play teams who are in the relegation battle. Mm. So playing against Swansea and uh, and just basically throwing it away. If that was what they were to do, by feeling a, a completely different, unmotivated team on Sunday, wouldn't be in the spirit of the the competition. And if I was a uh, not a Swansea fan, but if I was a Southampton fan or whatever, and I saw City do that, I think I'd be pretty upset by it. So I would hope that that, that City will still personally go on and and try and finish off this season in style, and and uh, so that the, the the slips that they had against Liverpool and United in in that little patch when it seemed like the the world was coming to an end, even though it wasn't really, and you had to get it into proportion. But some City fans did look at it that way. That can be forgotten about, and then this team can be rightly regarded as uh, one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Premier League team in terms of the style and the panache which would, they've won the league. But if, if they were now to sort of win one of the last five, or you know, and, and, and the standards dropped. There would be people, not perhaps inside the club or fans, proper fans who go every week, but the fans outside, some people outside the club might say, I see, they weren't as good yeah. and all as all that. And they won it by three points in the end or whatever, <laughs> you know, because in theory they could lose every game now and win it by a point, couldn't they? And that would be. That's it. exactly what he's expecting. That's the pessimist back. It's in me DNA, Stuart, can't help it. It's interesting. I'm not expecting it, no. It's interesting what you say, though, Ian, because this City side, they're on course to be this, the, the Premier League side with the most points ever with the most goals scored, potentially with the fewest goals conceded, the highest goal difference, there's still people saying this isn't one of the greatest Premier League sides ever. But if they've beaten every other Premier League side for points and goals scored, surely they must be. Yeah, how can you argue? I mean, it, I've, I've seen people, somebody tweeted me the other day saying uh, the only reason City have won it is the worst Premier League ever. Well, you know, if you want to believe that, if, you, if, if you're sitting there on your FIFA 2018 game yeah. um, and, and watching the odd bit on on uh, some Watch dodgy internet channel, yeah. then you aren't, you, you're not watching the football week in, week out. Yeah. When City playing games, it's true to say that there are... I mean, when City played Chelsea and, and Chelsea were vilified for standing like statues in the game at certain points in it. And I admit that Chelsea, by the way, have had a, a poor season, yeah. relatively speaking. But that was because... City played so well that they, I just believe they were bewildered and they had no answer to them. Mm. Now, you watch other games that don't involve City and you still see, in my opinion, very good quality yeah. between evenly matched teams. It's just that City have been streets ahead and it's made the others sometimes not not look good. And it's With the exception, of course, of Liverpool United in those games. And of course, every season that goes on, there's more money in the game. You've got these billion-pound TV deals that are distributed within all the clubs. All the clubs do have money if they want to invest it. It's how they invest it. Sports science is it. It's very pinnacle. Players are all top athletes for every club throughout the league. It's not as if City are playing against part-timers or anything. They're playing against yeah. professional millionaires every week who are playing for their countries. It's, but, it's ridiculous. You look at it. Would Leicester City have had a Riyad Mahrez 20 yeah. years ago? No, they didn't. You know, the, the players who were, play, who, who were playing for the middle in, and lower league teams 15, well, even 10 yeah. years ago. You even look at that, that Stoke side that are 19th now. They've got Champions League winners dotted throughout the squad. It's not as if City are playing against... Like, even the, the relegation threatened sides are, 
have world class talent. And there is, yeah. there is exactly. one exactly. other, before Stuart carries on with his interesting point, but. The, He's just killed it for me. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the, the, the things that, that uh, you know, it, it's so obvious and yet. And yet, you can't. Sometimes people can't see it. You are only actually allowed to play eleven players, and there are far more than eleven great footballers playing in this country, in Europe, in the world. City haven't bought fifty of them and then just pick eleven of them each week. Uh, you, you mentioned it before. You know, City have a relatively small squad of prime, top quality. Uh, superstars, you know, the ones that, that are going to win the league for you. And it's been mainly a squad of, I don't know, about 15 probably that have circulated mm. around throughout most of those games. You can only, you only can play 11. So you, you can't own all the best players. So therefore, by definition, your opponents have got some bloody good players. So, so they're not all rubbish. Sorry, Stuart. <laughs> no, I, I think, I mean, Liverpool have had some great teams down the years. I think this Liverpool team certainly the way it's progressed, I think this current Liverpool team would beat all the previous Liverpool teams. Yeah. Because I think football has progressed. Don't get me wrong, you know, they, they were fabulous teams. I, I, I grew up hating them. Um, <laughs> but, because they were so good, mainly. Um, United, I mean, perhaps different because theirs is a bit more recent. I think I think the United teams of the 90s and the noughties were, were top quality teams. But, I genuinely think if you pitched that best United team against this City team, I think this City team wins. Uh, not not necessarily over over ninety minutes, but over a, over a Premier League season. I think, and I, you know, I've got no axe to grind with this. I, I I love watching City play. I'm not a City fan, but it, it it fills me with joy watching them perform to the standard that they do because it's it's just it's just. Beautiful, but it's beautiful. It's, it's a work of art. Um, United were a great team, and they played some great football, and they had some immense characters. Um, but they did not play football to that level. You know, I used to love watching United. I thought they were, they were fabulous at counter-attacking football. They had beautiful, brilliant footballers. But as a team, they did not perform to that level. Certainly not on the, the same kind of consistent basis that City have done this season. Obviously, but I mean, people make a very good point. Kyle Walker made it when, when we were talking to him at Wembley. That, you know, people, he, he said himself, you know, people talk about us as being like the, the greatest team. He says, no, 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 we've got to keep doing this now. And he's right. If City win the next two Premier Leagues, win the Champions League, then you can talk about them as being the greatest mm-hmm. team in Premier League history, maybe. Uh, because it, it does come down to success. But you know, people, people confuse it. When you're talking about the the best team in, in Premier League history. You're talking about it's the, perhaps you should qualify it by saying the team that plays the best football mm. in Premier League history, which is a different thing because you're not necessarily going to win stuff by playing the best football. I think it is the best football I've seen, certainly in English football, and because I don't watch a lot of foreign football beyond that as well. You know, I mean, Barcelona, obviously, you've got to look at that. Some of the Real Madrid teams and, and some of the Italian teams and Ajax from the past. But it is it is the best football I have watched live and on a on a regular basis ever, and I'm I'm pretty old, as Rich will tell you, as he keeps reminding me. I can agree with that, the old bit anyway. No, no, I can agree with it all actually. Yeah. Uh, interesting. After the game yesterday of the United game, you know, Vincent Company was interviewed on Sky Sports. He said the City have never retained the Premier League. That's what he wants to see. He's always sort of set the benchmark for next season. He says I want to see how the players react. We've won it now. 
and he's already focused on the next one. He said maybe some of the younger players who win their first title, they can enjoy the moment now, but maybe some of his older ones. We're, we're concentrating on next season already. I think it's an interesting point, and like Stu said, that will be the real definition of how good the City side really are. But what does the future hold for the City side? How good can they get, especially if they do invest as wisely as they have done in this coming summer? To be honest, I don't think they can get much better. I mean, you know, the fact that they lost to Liverpool over the two legs suggests that they can. Uh, I still say, and I've said it before, I think they were mitigating circumstances, but maybe Liverpool would have beaten them anyway. Maybe they did a squeaked home rather than, than done it by the gap that they did in the end. So maybe that suggests that they're not quite there yet. But I don't think there's an awful lot more they can do. I mean, if they can repeat the statistics, I mean, we've still got just four or five more games to go, so we don't know whether they're going to hit the 100-point barrier and all the rest of it. But to actually match and repeat that next season is a monumental task. And to play it uh, in the way that they've done this season is going to be a monumental task because everybody knows now what's coming, what to expect. You know, maybe early on in the season... Uh, when City were building up this head of steam and momentum from the previous season, a few hadn't seen it coming, um, and now they all will. So everybody's going to set the stall out at the Etihad, um, you know, to, to to defend and to try to prevent City. So I don't repeat, see many repeats of the sort of seven-two against Stoke next season, you know, and, and quite regular they were getting fours and fives and stuff. Um, I, I just think it will be tougher. Interesting. I think Vincent Company's going into his final season of his contract next year, and I remember him saying after 2012 that you know is it important to try and retain the trophy. He's an older, wiser man now, and and uh, I'm sure he meant it just as much then as he does now, because uh, he is an, a, a wise man, an intelligent man. But as everybody knows, retaining the trophy is 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 tough. I mean, Real Madrid doing it in the. Champions League has been phenomenal. Mm. If City wants to get to that level and be regarded as a Real Madrid or a Barcelona or whatever, then they've got to do it, yeah, next season. I mean, I love the summer, but I already can't wait for next season to start. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah, the long summer months with not a lot to write about are, uh, are wearying. That's how I look at it. Um, yeah, well, you're talking about improving for next year. The way they improve is by getting a bigger squad with even more quality players in it. We've seen it this year. I, I think part of the problem has been solved by the fact that Gundogan has, has sort of progressed. Yeah. So Bernardo well. Silva also. Bernardo yeah. Silva's another one. You know, he, three months ago, four months ago maybe, you'd have, put, you'd have seen Bernardo Silva in the team and you'd have thought, oh, the standard's going to drop. Now you don't. You think, oh, Bernardo Silva might just score one of those goals or he's, he's, little passes. Or, you know, he's improved. He's got up to speed it's just taken him a little bit longer than it did maybe David Silva and one or two of the IR Torre and players like that. But he's now up to speed. He sort of fits into that City team well and he, he looks apart when he plays. Um, he's, you know, Sterling's been great all season, but you don't you don't feel that when Bernardo comes in for Sterling, or for anyone else for that matter, that he looks out of place. Gundogan, similarly. But they still need reinforcement. You know, they, they, they need a defensive midfielder, they, they need another attacking player, they probably need another centre-back, maybe even two. Um, and they, they possibly need a left-back. Um, then you've got the lads, Foden and Diaz and players like this, who are, who are, uh, are looking to take the step again next season. Um, I mean, you, you talked about that, saying that they may, they may get games between now and the end of the season, and that'll be interesting to see how Pep ex- 
experiments now because if this is, these, these remaining five games are a perfect opportunity to try a few things out. He's already said last week that David Silva uh, won't play every game next season. It's, it's not a great news, not, uh, not big news particularly because he's not been playing every game anyway. You know, there's been moments in, in the last three or four years where he's had to only play two games a week. You know, they've had to manage his because he's had ankle problems and he's a little bit older. Uh, so that's not it's not it's not unheard of that Silver won't play every game anyway. But you start wondering does does Gundogan step up in, into that breach? Does Phil Foden step into that breach? You know, so the next few games Pep can try a few things out without weakening the team too much. Uh, and paying the due respect to the the other teams, you know, who are fighting against relegation and so on. Um, it, it can, it can. He always says he can put a team out to try and win the game. I think he can do that with an eye to next season, just just seeing how it goes with without the silver and seeing how Foden copes with it and just little things like that. You know, perhaps traps try one or two things positionally. So he's, he can already start planning for next season in the last five games of this. And although Fernandinho didn't play at Tottenham and they still were wonderful at Tottenham, I'd still think his position possibly needs strengthening. And I was very disappointed in that Schalke-Dortmund game that I saw that Weigel was on the bench for Dortmund and didn't even come on because mm. I was looking forward to watching him in the flesh and trying to assess him a little bit. And I was a little bit worried, actually, the fact that if City are interested in that he's not even starting in a big game like that unless there was some sort of injury issue that I... I didn't know about, but I, I do think that area, whether it be Weigel or somebody else, um, City need to, to try to bring in some support for Fernandinho, because a bit like David Silva and, and Aguero, they're both now you know, in the early 30s, um, so even though that's not hardly old man status <laughs> compared to me and you, Stuart, it's still uh, footballing-wise, uh, the veteran, starting to get to the veteran stage, isn't it? I can't believe him 30 years old, that's terrifying. But <laughs> another game you were at, lastly, really, another good point, um, last, you were at the City game on Friday night, Benjamin Mendy made his return from injury, what did you make of his return, and should City fans expect to see him before the end of the season? In first, the first, first 45 minutes, he was full of that power and pace mm-hmm. that everybody remembers him for, um, and he was bursting down the left-hand side. He was unleashing, you know, the pace flat out, and that's very encouraging because that shows that he's got confidence as well as, as restoring what he had before. I still haven't seen, and I, I don't want to sound negative, but I, I still haven't seen enough of him to really have made me mind up about Benjamin Mendy. In his absence, everybody said what a big blow it's been, and he's, he's such a great character. You know, he's, he gets involved in social media, and we saw him galloping down, limping down the touchline in one <laughs> of the games when when it, it was joining in celebrations and whatnot. And you, you, you love to have players like that in your team, but it's got to be more than that. He's got to actually, you know, be the player that we want him to be. Maybe it, his his performances might depend a little on City ultimately going to a back three, so that his his whole job is about, or most of his job anyway, is going to be about bombing forward, and on that basis. Um, he could terrorise opponents and, and he only played 45 minutes of that game on, on Friday night um, probably just to start the easing in process rather than uh, than anything else um, but uh, you know it, sometimes even in that game on Friday night you know you sort of lose possession quite cheaply and you think well, mm-hmm. still got still in my own mind I'm thinking yeah. I want him to, to be brilliant because he's a great character of the Shark team and all that but I'm still not quite made my mind up yet. We need to see. Hopefully, we'll see him in these last five games as well, playing regularly, and then uh, that gives us a better idea of 
of, of, of the type of player he is and how he fits in. Yeah, I think that's the, the last point. Is uh, Stu, this Sunday against Swansea, would you make many changes to the squad or would you still stick with the, the strongest 11 you can, you can put um, I'd, I'd assess. I'd assess them all physically mm. and mentally uh, and not play anybody who's, who's been feeling it. I think Kevin De Bruyne's effort, right throughout the season, Kevin De Bruyne's effort has been immense. I think the, the amount of work he's put in physically and mentally and to keep, you know, to keep, keep himself at that consistent level uh, I feared for him after the after the Liverpool game because I, I watched him coming off, and he looked like he looked like a broken player. He looked like you know when you see somebody who's done a marathon and collapsed ten yards from the line. He looked like one of those. He he was he looked physically shot. He looked mentally crushed. Uh, you know, it was just written all over his face, and I thought, oh my god, you know, he's got to get himself up for this this Tottenham game on on Saturday night, which he did. Mm. Fair play to him, you know, he did it yet again, uh, which is, is testimony to to his character. Um, but I kind of think he'll, he'll want to play though. He'll want to play against Swansea. I mean, they'll all probably want to play when you when you think about it. You know, they've got a few days off. They go back in on Wednesday. The pressure's off. They can get a few training sessions under the belt. They'll want to play against Swansea because it'll be a great atmosphere. You know, newly crowned champions, you want to be running out onto the pitch as the champions, don't you? You don't want to be sitting in the stand or, yeah. or on the bench. Presumably so, that's where they're going to get this guard of honour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. you don't want to be sitting, you know, if you're Kevin De Bruyne and you're, you're the, yeah. you've been the main man all season, you don't want to be missing out on that yeah. as well. So, yeah, I mean, I, I suspect he will. I mean... Pep wants to win every game yeah. anyway, let's face it. It season. doesn't really change a lot for him, I don't think. So I, I think we will see a strong team, um, but he might he might sort of use his subs. You know, he might mm. put the Brighton on and, and, and bring him off. He's no Fernandinho, of course, so he's, yeah, he's not got a lot of choice, but he, he, could, he could bring the Brighton off and put Foden on, for instance. Or, you know, I, I, I think he'll play, he'll play a strong team. They'll all want to play until the mm. end of the season. They're also all looking towards the World Cup. You know, Mendy in particular now. Yeah, he'll be desperate himself. to get games because he wants to get in the France squad for World Cup. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's, he, Pep's got to do right by the rest of the Premier League, but he's got to do right by his own players as well. Um, and that means assessing them, making sure that they're physically and mentally right. And if they're physically and mentally right, play them. And if that means playing your strongest team from now to the end of the season, well, well so be it. I think one last question for you, Ian, as well. Um, with these five games, sort of. I guess he could almost look at them a free hit. Is there a good chance for Pep to maybe try that Laporte-Stone centre-half partnership? Well, certainly I think that you might, we might see the three, yeah. Yeah, whether that's Stones, whether that's uh, whether company plays all the games or whether they try and help him to be make sure he's in peak condition by not overplaying him for the World Cup, I don't know. Stones now has a chance to reintegrate into the side. A lot of people were saying that Stones on Laporte are the future. I... I Think we're going to see a lot more of a back three. Um, in, in this, I mean, I think second half at Tottenham, yeah. he played the back three. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think everybody will, will play. I, th- I think all the players that we've mentioned, Mendy and Foden, Diaz, and maybe even Bravo. Yeah, yeah. You know, we might, yeah, yeah certainly, yeah, yeah. Final, fi- Brighton. I'd put your money on it yeah. now that he's going to play against Brighton. Last home game midweek um, and. I hope, and I'm sure that City will give Yaya Torre a big send-off uh, if, if this is now his farewell as a player, and he deserves it. And uh, if anybody else, you know, is, is on the way, um, then then if we know about it, they should get the same treatment. But um, 
you know, it's just party time now anyway for the fans anyway, that's the main thing. That's a good note to end on. Party time here at Manchester is blue for another season. City champions with five games to just go. Just say that again, Richard. Just, just one more time. Manchester City are Premier League champions. That's it. I'll, I'll do for I'll me. get you that as the ringtone if you yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. We'll <laughs> Thank you both for joining us again today for Talking City Podcast. We'll be back next week after the Swansea game, which should be interesting. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and Audioboom to get all the latest updates on the Champions of England.